This is Big Man Tyrone, and you're about to watch the MTG Cabal cast with your hosts, Wood, Thirsty, and Reptar. Sub to us on all your podcast networks at MTG Cabal Cast and YouTube. All right, guys, welcome to the newest episode of the Cabal Cast. Thanks for tuning in for, I guess, our first podcast of the year. It is. Uh, which, you know, incidentally happens to be kind of our topic for the day. So before we get into picks, we're basically just going to be covering year in review, what our biggest hits were on picks, mm-hmm. what our biggest misses were, mm-hmm. uh, what we want to see in the next year, realistically and in a perfect world, which it's Wizards of the Coast, so we are not there. We'll never make it, yeah. Ever. Nope. Um, so. Yeah. It, it was an interesting <clears throat> year for us because we did a lot of work uh, ahead of time of uh, announcements around day of, so some of our picks were surrounding things like old school changes, uh, middle school changes, not just uh, Watsy Banner, but trying to get uh, out ahead of things. And the one things that we don't do is freeze the price on our picks. Yeah. So uh, everything that we do is running. So if you were to sit on these for an infinite timeline, you'd basically be able to watch them, you know, grow and shrink accordingly. And thus we've put our little piece together for this. Yeah. So uh, we'll start out with the highlight here, which is a. Our biggest hits and we're, we're going to break these out into biggest by dollar amount and biggest by percentage because these are going to actually uh matter well, as yeah. you'll see in a moment so uh yeah, we just discussed yours off air but your biggest dollar amount wise was actually time vault yeah uh which i'd said you know originally when i picked it you can pick it up for 500 bucks now <clears throat> mm-hmm. this should easily be a 600 750 buy list which is actually at GPs, you can get seven hundred and fifty to nine hundred dollars for a near mint one, depending on the vendor you go to. Yep. And numerically, the price went up by a hundred and one dollars, which sounds like a lot, but it's only a seventeen percent increase over the price when I picked it. So that's why we broke it down. Yep. Uh, and for me, uh, this pick was actually a battle bond box. It was not a single. It was a sealed product, which we don't really like to pick on a lot unless there's something ridiculous going on with it. And Battlebond yeah. had just been a, in a lull for a long enough time. We had started to finally see movement on a lot of the cards, but the box prices were staying pretty stable. So yeah. I suggested that uh, people pick up a Battlebond box. At the time, it was $168, and at this very moment on TCG Player, it is $191 for about a, a solid $22 or $23 yeah. gain. But that was not, again, larger <clears throat> percentage-wise. Moving on to that, this this was your spicy pick. Yeah, it was. Uh, and I... It, people laughed. Foil Thoughts of Ruin went from 371 to 1114 which was a 200% increase. Uh, so it is now settled at about $11. I was able to out my copies for $15 each to Card Kingdom. Mm-hmm when this card spiked literally like three weeks later, um, yep. which I believe was on a command zone video, just incidentally. Yep. Uh, but that was, you know, it, at the time I justified it by saying it's a big, stupid red card in EDH. Something's going to happen that will make this spike because it's a big, stupid red card. And sure enough, it was a big, stupid red card that spiked. Yeah. That's just how it works. I'm going to bring this up real quick, if I can get Gather to, uh, to cooperate so people can see this thing. You know, straight from Savers of Kamigawa, everybody sacks a card equal to the number of cards in your hand. Yep. It is a big, dumb red card in the big, dumb red deck. 
kind of parallel to this, and I wasn't really paying attention because I just happened to have a copy for EDH. Foil Zozu also jumped. Yeah. And it's, and so like Mono Web and Burning Sands, a lot of the cards that kind of like go into the archetypal mono red or heavy red LD style deck or Punisher style deck actually yeah. went up this year at various points, but almost like they all eventually caught. Yeah. And, and all, this, this was like, I remember when I picked it, both of us were like, we kind of forgot this card existed. Yeah. But it does. Mm -hmm. And someone's going to, like, make it pop because of that. Yes. And that's just where it ended right. up. Yep. Uh, for me, my largest percent growth was uh, F&M uh, Yixla Jailer. That went from $1.60 to it's six fifty right now. Uh, solid 300% yeah. increase. This was actually picked. I wanted to check the timing on it uh, in December of... Actually... The way I did this was wrong. I, I looked in the last year of the podcast, not 2019. So, yeah, effectively grandfathered through December 3rd of 2018. So this is well before Modern Horizons. This is well before yeah. any of the graveyard shenanigans. We were just looking at what was happening in Legacy and the fact that Modern was being run by Dredge and it continued to be. So this is a solid pick going all the way through 2019 through Hogak Summer. Yep. And this is a card that the floor obviously is now has been raised. Yeah, we are well past Hogak Summer, and this went from a a dollar sixty to six fifty. This is a new floor for this card, and this is what we talk about a lot of times. Where so when something spikes, if you don't buy in now, the floor might not raise, or it might, and you have to kind of suss that out based on yeah. the uh, outside factors for this. And the interesting thing is that you know, it, part of it too is with promos. I mean. They stopped the FNM program as well. Yes. Prior, like right around the time that we, you made this pick was when they were like, "Hey, we're done with the FNM promo. We're doing this awful promo pack thing, where yep. now every card has forty different versions." Yes. Uh, so it, it, you know, when stuff like that happens, that's another thing that when you're sussing it out, you need to examine for: is the floor going to raise yep. if and when this hits? Mm-hmm. Uh, agreed. So. And that's another thing to keep uh, keep your eye on because there are more ways to pick up cards and tcg player is still kind of sorting that out um, yeah I, th I don't know if tcg player did it recently and so mtg stocks updated their system or stocks updated late but now the playtest cards from uncarry whatever that said yeah. is yeah are finally being tracked properly i noticed that this morning so sliv mizzet is now like a hundred dollar playtest card yep in formats that nobody cares about yeah. So as things continue to change like that, we're going to get new information in new ways, and it's also something to to be careful of as you're uh, running through your specs. Now, uh, this is my favorite part. Our largest failures with, with picks. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll go first on this one. Uh, yeah, by, by, by dollar amount, mine is Grim Monolith. Uh, let me pull up the numbers because I'm sad and didn't have them. Uh, I picked this card at 153, and it's down to 131. I picked it in September after Core 20 because of what was going on in Legacy with Mystic Forge. Yeah. And we didn't see a lot of changeover in Legacy. What we failed to see was an adoption of that deck. Yeah, but and I think it's probably because of, uh, you know, Legacy not existing anymore if we really want to. I, oh, I would chalk it up to that. Oh, by by all means, yes, I'm sh that that definitely is going to play into into this. But the reason I picked Grim Monolith then was because I think it would I believed it was yeah. underpriced if this deck 
picked up at all. And we might have yeah. had a handful of Star City events, but we just had Teamer Delver come back and run roughshod over the format with Ren and Six for a little while, and that depressed, you know, yeah. the Mystic Forge deck. Now that kept Death and Taxes down. Without Ren and Six, Death and Taxes comes back, which still isn't great for a mono brown deck. So this card is just going to slowly fall. Um, the previous floor before the spike uh, at or, or right around Core Twenty was a little over $100, maybe floating around 110 And it looks like we are on the way there. However, market is currently at or above average. Yeah. So I, I can't really speak to where this one's going to end up, but uh, this was a $22 loss, 14% loss. Which is not terrible percentage-wise. No, it, in this instance, I would be fine holding these cards because Grim Monolith is a reserve list artifact that powers uh, legacy decks, vintage decks, and EDH decks both at the kitchen table and in a competitive setting. Yeah. So this is never a card I would be sad to own, even if I got quote-unquote hosed on it because I bought in higher than I might, I should have. Yeah, and I, I think it's safer too because, you know, like you said, it's EDH at all levels, and those are like, sometimes you will miss. Yeah, absolutely. Even on the sure things. And that's kind of what Grim Monolith is here. But it's also not like you got hosed to the point where you're out, you know, it got banned the next day and all of a sudden Veil of Summer was one of the worst picks you possibly could have had. Yeah, right. So <laughs> it happens. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, for you in this category, we have a card that I think has finally been crunched out of Theros, but it, it could have been a further kick. Yeah, I uh, if anyone follows us on Twitter, that was the friend he was asking for. Um, rest in peace, mm -hmm. which at the time, I didn't think looting was going to get banned. Uh, I didn't think Hogak would exist. Um, Even then, that people would just give up against Hogak, because you picked this at the end of June. Yeah. Um, and rest in peace. You know, I saw a $4 loss. Uh, since I picked it, and it's very strange because now Modern's in this weird spot where it's not, like, Dredge uses Hedron Crab? Yep. Format's really bad right now. Uh, to be fair, though, uh, it's we were talking about Hedron Crab uh, yesterday. It is, yeah. Modern is not the only format that uses Hedron Crab. There's, uh, I don't... I don't know the name that goes in front of it, but it's it's like Joe's Crab Shack or something like that in Vintage. Yeah. It's the Dredge yeah. deck that uses Hedron Crab. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that was, uh, again, it seemed like a sure thing, but other forces took over. So that was my biggest numerical loss percentage wise. This was, uh, I mean, effectively a bulk rare that somehow I lost on, uh, was theater of horse from Ravnica allegiance. It was two forty five when I picked it. It's now down to 28 cents, 89% hose on that one, which is still fine. Um, you know, the nice thing about what are effectively, like, bulk picks, so, like, sub $3, is you're not getting them to, you know, pump and dump. Yeah. You're holding this for long term. Yeah, so, I'm, like, I'm, this one is... I'm going to bring this up point. for people real quick on Gather, because it's a pretty unique card, and the way we looked at it was we thought this was, if I think, pretty sure we go back, going to be modern playable in a deck like Jund that just wants to grind it out. Yeah. Because you get to exile a top card and play it, so you're not losing the life like you would with Bob. But it was just another yep. kind of comedy 
of errors on our part where we picked cards that looked good for modern, but the format just changed so much uh, yeah. from what we originally thought. Very quickly and very much for the worse in many cases. Yeah, this is uh, from Rav Allegiance. So you picked it maybe, what, like two weeks after the set came yeah, out? two weeks after the set came out. Yeah. Um, just thinking, you know, Bob's barely played right now. Reed has been talking on stream about, you know, wanting to try to get this card to work. And I'm like, well, you know, it juns pretty well. So let's give it a shot. At, yeah. You know, two bucks. Yeah. Say yeah. Uh My biggest percentage loss for last year is Nihiri Storm of Stone. That is, she is the infoil. She is the uncommon planeswalker from uh, War of the Spark. But I picked her at 350. She is currently sitting at 55 cents. That is an 84% loss for anybody who can do that math quickly. But the reason that I picked her is because she goes in the Boros style Voltron decks. And she's not quite pure Steel Paladin or an effect like that. She's just a CMC reducer. Yeah. But uh, we figured that the foils of these cards would be more sought after than they were. But it looks like. Well, the, they, we have 50 different versions of each of them, too, now, so... Correct. And <laughs> the glut of War of the Spark that was open that we didn't predict in both English and Japanese has effectively pushed the prices of all of these cards down. It could happen in years down the road that these will pick up again. It could be that the pre-release uh, promos are the way to go because they're the more yeah. unique versions because they have the stamp. So there is still opportunity here, but if you bought in at 350 it's going to take a while to get back in. Yeah, fifty five cents for a foil planeswalker that actually that actively can have a home in a number of EDH decks. I want to check rec real quick. I still think this is a decent buy, especially if you can pick them up. Yeah, free. I I still think it's really good too. Especially, I mean, the uh, alt art Japanese foils are only like eight dollars TCG low. Yeah, uh, and it's I I'd mentioned when you pick it when you picked it that I think it's one of my favorite casual EDH cards out of the whole set. Yeah. Because it does slide into that archetype that needs it. Yeah. And that's just That's great. basically... looking. Uh, uh, Nihiri is not in a lot of decks. Uh, 348 in the color combination total. That's 1% <clears throat> of the 56,000 that have been submitted. But you look at all the generals that Nihiri is paired with. Akiri Lion Slinger, Aurelia, uh, Jorka Dean, Gisela, the original one. Um, Feather, uh, both Aurelias are on here actually, and yeah. Kaikar, and you just see a lot of decks that want to rely on equipment style spells, and these abilities are really good for this card. Yeah. And the only way you're going to get your money's worth on this card if you're looking to buy copies and sell later is if you move into a foil or the Japanese version. Yep. But that's just kind of the way it is with a lot of these uncommons now. The rares are a little different, especially with the stained glass versions hitting. So yeah, that's that. Well, and Nihiri has a stained glass version as well. Yes. So. But I didn't. Oh. Uh, was Nihiri available on the secret layers? I didn't see anybody report her, but that doesn't mean she isn't there. Uh, yeah, she's listed on TCG under Nihiri Storm of Stone Secret Glass okay. or Stained Glass. Yeah. All right, fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so uh, those were our misses, but I do want to bring up one unique miss that uh, I think we're both very upset about for the same reason. Uh, I think it was two years ago, maybe a little more, uh, when the when the Cabal was uh, still nation. I had been quoted as saying that Paradox Engine would be a fifty dollar card. Yep. Within two Fuck. years. 
God. and it was on its way, and then it got banned. When we picked it on the cast, February 25th, it was a $17 card. It is now $5.50 with a difference of 67% in the name. Yeah. There's talk about it in Pioneer, but that's not going to bring it back to what it was. And the rules committee hoisted us on this one, and it generally is not an entity that we think about when we make our picks. Yeah. I mean, if it wasn't, well, I would just pick Painter Severn every week until it was unbanned. But here we are. Yeah. Yeah, it hit $40 on March 19th this year. So it was well on its way to 50 and then up and down, up and down, and then the ban announcement hits. Yep. And it goes from 31 to 12 yeah, all I, the way down to where we see it now. Yep, and uh, be, it's kind of funny. I never check the forums on the Rules Committee website for Commander because I just it's not a cesspool. I just have no reason to be there. But I was looking for a specific ruling in Commander thanks to uh, Oru, the the new primetime, the new primeval time. Yeah. Uh, because we were looking at the card and just dissecting it. And aside from the exile five effect, when you escape the card for two green and two blue, uh, you could effectively play it as your commander and sack it in response to the trigger and do some shenanigans. Yeah. And when I was looking for a specific rule for commander, I just jumped into the rules uh, form. And I can't tell you how many posts... And there, underneath the one from the rules committee that says, don't ask us to ban cards, say, ban Cyclonic Rift. Yeah. So you've got Paradox uh, Engine gone. You have Painter Servant and and Iona Mucklet. Swapping. Yeah, swapping places yeah. on the list. And apparently the majority of the format wants Cyclonic Rift gone, but they're just sitting there with their fingers in their ears still over that card. Upheaval banned, Sway the Stars banned, Cyclonic Rift doesn't reset your land, so that's still cool. Yep. Great. I mean, I guess because Armageddon, Desolation Angel, and Desolation Giant only hit lands, they're fine in the format. But if you're going to make a pillow fort format, or a pillow fight format, whatever you want to look at. But those are sorceries. Alright, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, with Leyline of Anticipation, you can do a lot. But, yeah, that's true. Right. So out of picks uh, into uh, the kind of free form section, as I like to think of it. Uh, one of the what I what I figure we spend the most time on is the biggest disappointments for the year. And uh, I answered this in a, a pretty interesting way. And I want to go first because I I, I I know you're going to agree with me, but I think it's your point. And for me, the biggest disappointment this entire year was Watsi made the decision. Not once, but twice to cannibalize their eternal player base by creating Pioneer and Historic and thought that was good. I wish I could make as much money with my head as far up my ass as Hasbro and Watsy do. <laughs> Right now, if they think that Pioneer is a, a better format for the players as a whole compared to Modern, because of you know enfranchisement reasons, whatever, I don't care. You it's can reprint doing everything it... in the format. Just reprint it. Exactly, they can do that. But create then announcing Historic, then Pioneer, but placing Historic on Arena after Pioneer goes live on Moto by months. That whole timeline is to me is the biggest disappointment because that is very much one hand is not talking to the other about what's going on in this organization 
It, it demonstrates very clearly that there are people working on digital that have their idea of how they can get their players to play the game, and people who are working on paper and moto and to get players to play the game. And they do not work in concert or parallel. Nope. They just work at their own speed. They present their ideas to possibly different people and get them okayed. Nothing ever seems to trickle up to one person who can say, why? And if there is a moment where they say, oh, well, they're doing this thing. Nobody seems to have that moment and say, we should stop. They're just like, we're going to keep going with these two completely divergent yep. business plans. Yep. You're never going to turn historic into pioneer, and you're never going to turn historic into modern, but they are putting modern cards into historic. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Why couldn't they have just picked a name, stuck with it, announced it for Arena, and then announced it in paper as well? Why can't it? They had the time to backfill, and they obviously can put modern and vintage cards on Arena. Yeah. Like, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I understand, like, they want them to be two different products. Yep. That's fine. And I understand that, if we're being honest, they probably just came up with Historic on a whim because they realized Standard was bad and they were losing players on Arena. Yeah. And that's fine. I'll give you that. I will give you that. Just put Pioneer on there. Because you know it's in the pipeline, presumably... So announce that this format is coming instead of just shoehorning something together and being like, all right, well, here's this completely unique format that means absolutely nothing. Yep. Uh, so I, I don't. All right. I'm, I'm going to I'm going to give a list. All right. And then I'm going to pick one from the list. OK. Uh, stopping legacy. All right. Uh, whatever they're doing with banned and restricted announcements. Just not doing them, I guess. Yeah, that seems like to be the, th the thing. Uh, cannibalizing your eternal player base is a good one. Uh, dropping the ball on competitive play four times in a year. Uh, allowing Marcio Carvalho, a known cheater, to be in the MPL. Uh, man. Oh, uh, the GP changes, which I guess has more to do with Channel Fireball, but giving Channel another year with the GPs. Yeah is a problem um i think from a player financial perspective i think the banned and restricted announcement is probably the worst one because and it's really weird because they pointed it out in their explanation that uh we recognize it would feel very bad for people to test or whatever and then their deck just gets erased yep. the week before an event uh, but we think it would be worse if they have a bad tournament because the environment's bad. Well, they're going to have a bad tournament either way. Like, if I'm testing for months with a deck, mm -hmm. and the week before the GP or Pro Tour, whatever that I'm going to, you're like, uh, by the way, uh, 2019 design year is banned. It was a mistake. We never should have done it. Yep. That's mistake number six, the 2019 design year. I'm changing my answer. That's it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I like that. You have a play design. You have a play design team. You literally put them in so that you can fix things, and then not only do they mess up design for an entire year, in doing so they mess up vintage, they mess up modern, they mess up legacy, they mess up standard. 
they mess up Pioneer before you announce the format. So from the top down, because that poor design affects every level of your product. Yep. It affects your ability to sell Arena. It affects your ability to sell Moto, which I guess they still want to have. Uh, it affects your Yeah. I mean, I could not have imagined if you had told me four years ago mm -hmm. that I would go to a GP and day two would be 62 people because the format was so bad. I would have thought you were crazy. But at GP Columbus, it paid out to top 64. Yep. Or, sorry, Oklahoma City, it paid out to top 64, and day two was 62 people. How can you get things so monstrously bad that there is so much loss of faith in your product that the competitive game space, which is one of your selling points for the game, mm -hmm. uh, that you can, you can play this game and you can make a living doing it because now we have a 75-step IKEA instruction ladder that we can follow to become a professional at this game. How can you get it that, that wrong? Yeah. What I like about the competitive play fuck-up is that people thought it was, like, competitive play as a whole, forgetting the fact that there are alternates to WotC, uh competitive play, and in large part, they suffered for a while, and yeah. then Star City just had, like, an almost 900-person team event in Columbus, Ohio, with, I think, I'd have to look, uh, Ricky Hayashi posted the numbers. Yeah. It was like 892 for the main, and both classics totaled four, uh, like 450 on the dot. But yeah. Watsi can't get these people, like other people, to come out to their events. The Star City event leads to a pocketed invitational, mm -hmm. which eventually does lead to I don't know how, because it's part of that ladder you mentioned, to paper the events, I think. Whatever. Yeah. It's called now. Mythic Championship, maybe. The paper one, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Right? But you have to go jump through all those hoops to get there. But people are still coming out to the Star City circuit to play in that pocketed universe compared to the, the, the much larger one. So something has gone way fucky yeah. with, with this space. With the way Wizards is handling any of this. Yeah. I just, I don't understand, like... It's not even... Like, you're the primary provider of this product, and somebody else is doing it better. You don't think maybe for a second, eh, we should probably try out what they're doing. Yeah. Just hire somebody else to, to run everything entirely and just back out. Have no say in it aside from final. Don't give but a single I, I will say this. Idea. Monopolies are bad, and you should outsource it to multiple companies. Yes. Uh, it's this way you can see what's going on. Now I, then you get multiple viewpoints. No. Um, yeah. So, uh, for biggest disappointment, I actually had a, an honorable mention here that you, that you touched on, but is a sub point. And uh, to quote myself directly, standard being so piss poor that Watsi had to send a message to WPN stores reminding them they can fire standard <laughs> FNMs. <laughs> oh, man. Priceless. Yeah. Utterly priceless. That, yeah. that was... I feel like that's a good honorable mention on the way out because it sits right between everything we're talking about. Perfect. Right. What's ahead? Oh, man. Sky's falling. Magic's dying. We got four years left. 
All right. Uh, for the for the next year. Yes. What I want to happen. Oh no no no. Oh, this is what we think will happen. Forecast. Okay. Yeah. Uh, realistically, what I think will happen is wizards will continue to wander around in a house with the lights off, blindfolded and no hands, so they can't feel where they're going. Yep. They knock over all the china. They knock over all the lamps. There's no way they can get out of this. And they somehow stumble backwards into a profitable year. They continue to release a million commander products. Mm-hmm. They continue, which they've already said they're going to do. Yes. Uh, they continue to release on the fly supplementals, which, by the way, they just said today, oh, here's all the information about unsanctioned. Yep. Which you've been waiting on. Uh, and so we've got that in February. We've got Mystery Booster in April. We've got uh, Layer of the Behemoth, Ikoria yeah, like in April. Every month there's a product release. Yep. I actually expect wallet fatigue to set in so much worse this year than it even did last year. I would think if you're going to look at wallet fatigue, you got to figure that tax, you know, U.S. taxes are due early April. And, Which is when Mystery Booster hits. Yeah, and that's... Uh, Ikoira and whatever comes out with it. And then after that, you might just see a super summer sales law. We have a course in the summer, and it might just be that standard fatigue that they like to kind of misquote as being people not enjoying corsets, which is, for the most part, not the case. Yeah. A 50% reprint set is actually a really good way to get new players into the game. Watsi has said so. But a yeah. lot of people don't buy into a core set because a lot of people who have been playing the game forever don't want to buy a set that's full of 50% reprints. It does nothing for them outside of pre-release events. Yeah. And they could just buy the singles from the other half of the set. Yeah. So they got to come to grips with that. But uh, For myself, I've got two bullet points for this. It's just disparate ideas. The first is that 2020 remains another confusing year for competitive play for Watsi, and more people end the year upset than they do happy and rivals will fail. The idea of that rival league will fail. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to go into more detail about that, basically what I mean by that is they're going to continue putting in uh, like professionals that have been on the Pro Tour for years, uh, semi-pros who are just making their way onto it, and special invitees. And what you're going to see is that exact echelon just dunking on each other in a downward fashion. So the pros are going to dunk yep. on the semis, the semis will dunk on the invitees, and just that's going to be that because there's just going to be a skill gap for a while, and it's not going to be fun to watch. No. And that's been cited already. There have been a number of rivals, I believe, who came out and spoke about that, about how yeah. they knew going in they were at a disadvantage, and I think the rival yeah. system is just going to fall apart. But also in 2020, I think we're going to see Pioneer and Modern become the premier paper formats for Magic Fests, Magic Fests and Historic will fade off Arena. Yeah. I, I think especially Historic fading off Arena is only a matter of time at this point. I, it's, I mean, I, I've had multiple people that you know I work with or meet at uh, events that are like, I'm just confused by why they're doing this. Because they're putting these cards here that like, some of them are prohibitively expensive. Some of them were in the mystery boosters. Some of them weren't. Yeah. Uh, and it's 
I don't understand why this is how this is working, but I guess this is how this is working. Yep. I mean, there's nothing you can do with your collection on, on Arena. You keep it. So it just ensures that you just roll your stuff down. But you then have to kind of fight the, all right, if Historic is running and we bring, like, what good draft formats can we bring back and not steal people away from Historic if we want to make that a thing at the same time? Can we keep yeah. doing all these, like, uh, wacky formats getting personalities to come up with something and throwing them out there. Uh, I don't believe Historic is time-gated like Brawl was. I think you can play Historic whenever you want. Yeah, you can anytime. Um, but you just have to figure out, if Standard is good and you're bringing back good draft formats, are you going to have the people who want to play Historic? And right now yeah. it seems like a good idea because Standard is rank. Uh, nobody wants to draft Eldraine anymore. And we've been in a dead no. zone for this game for about a month. So Historic makes sense as, as an arena format. And I honestly haven't heard anybody talking about Brawl because uh, nobody wanted to pay the ridiculous amount of gems or gold it took to get into that event as the only way to play Brawl over the holidays. Yeah. So I think... I, that was absurd. Yeah. I think it's just going to go. Or it, they could weave it in and out with the idea of the Brawl decks. You know, every so many sets... Historic comes back to Arena as a specialty format. Give you something to do. Yeah. Well, and, you know, Marrow came out and was like, oh, we're, uh, you know, we're not doing Brawl decks. We're doing Commander decks with every set now. And that's, this This is going to be an interesting year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for wallets and finance, because now with this many potential reprints, Oracle of Moldiah can suddenly get printed at any point. Yeah, we can see. Uh, and at any point, it can go from forty to ten. I mean, Bloom Tender is another good one. Yeah, and I it it was in, it's in the mystery boosters, and who knows, what's gonna happen when that drops in April? It'll probably be a ten dollar card again. Yeah, we don't yeah we don't know what allocation really looks like for that stuff. Yeah. Uh, uh. But on the way out, before we get to our picks, our last topic for this is what we want to happen. Mine yeah. is all about organized play. I want to know what you have to say. Uh, I It's somewhat about organized play, actually. Okay. I would love to see them figure out that the formats they need to support should be the ones that get people to show up. Okay. So the weekend of Oklahoma City, uh, you know, a 62-person day two, that's awful. They had a legacy GP in Bologna, mm -hmm. which had 2,000 people. So you have a 2,000-person legacy GP, which is your highest attended GP of the year because you can't get over 1,000 people for standard to save your life yep. for the entire year. Modern Horizons, uh, Magic Fest, non-sealed were a flop, so constructed. Yeah. Because that format was also rank. How can you not understand that that format, that those community-driven formats, your legacy, your vintage, that type of stuff is actually important because that community has, they're dedicated, they've stayed with you, they travel, they spend money. Mm -hmm. And if you want to say that your emphasis is on the community, you need to have your emphasis on the community. Yeah. I want them to do that. And I want them to stop releasing new products every two weeks. Oh, I think that's good. I, I, 
I like the idea of uh, emphasis on formats because it also speaks to the fact that you can't keep running a GP Vegas every year and expect it to be the same uh, circus that the first two were. If you want to do that, then you should make another destination GP. Put it in a major city so that it's easy to get to. Vegas, sure, it's easy to get to from within the U.S., but it's not that easy from outside. You have to connect through a number of locations. Yeah. And you just make it a format that people want to play. So that's where you put the legacy GP of the year. You yeah. Know? With vintage sides because you don't support that format any other way. And you know what? You'll get people to those events. You could even run the, yeah. the, the three format GPs if you want and do legacy, modern, and fuck all. It doesn't matter. Pioneer. Who yeah. cares? People will come out to those events if you sponsor them or you set them up properly. And I think that, that, yeah. that's really... I think it's going to be really important moving forward that they actually see that. Um, for for myself, I wanted to see them actually have a plan for the rest of 20... <laughs> I know, right? The rest of 2020 in regards to the organized play format. Right now, we're in like the, the back half of whatever season number they decided to give 2019. Like, I think the, the last... Or, sorry, the first... Mythic Championship of this year, the paper one, is technically like the last Mythic Championship of the previous year's season. It's like the extended yeah, season. Yeah, because it's right? like car release years or something. Yeah, and I basically, once that's done, they haven't announced anything after that, I don't believe, in regards to organized play. And I'm hoping that's because they have an actual plan for, for paper organized play. Then they have that locked oh. in. And <laughs> both the, it and the uh, Arena Mythic Championships make sense. Because right now they just seem to have arena events at, at predetermined times, yes, but aside from handing out invites to very specific people, I don't know what's going on. I know a number of people that have hit very high-ranking mythics, you know, somewhere in the top 25 or 50, and they don't get yeah. invites because they're not named players, but then you have Red Bull who did that event. Yeah. And one of the players I knew was able to apply to that event just based on their mythic ranking. So, and I, I think it's, I think that that's likely, within the next couple of years, where organized play is probably going to go. Is you're going to see people like Red Bull pick up this slack, of like, well, I mean, it's not the Pro Tour, but you're clearly good. Yeah. And if you just want to make a bunch of money to play, show up. Yeah, it, that would make sense for the rivals, instead of just yeah. picking your your rivals based on criteria that you don't really list as streamers because that's what they're they do there are no real arena tournaments but if they go through a secondary circuit like that and that's how you choose your arena rivals instead that seems like a much more vetted process than just plucking names off twitter and twitch yeah. and, and not doing due diligence on their background yeah you know somebody else can actively do that for you much like the judge yeah. program you know yeah you just let another company handle all that for you, and then you can just take the winners of those events. And it does bring out a bit of, uh, or point out the uh, the enfranchisement that is this game, because that requires people to travel and pick up sponsorship, etc. But that is still a continued vetting a continued vetting process, because organizations that do believe in those players will sponsor those players to go out and play at home and then at these events. So it's just a continued vetting and a continued selection process that works in Watsi's favor when they pick people out of that system that are winning or doing well at these events to play against 
you know, their name players for yeah, their champion or whatever. Like, yeah. And eventually break into the MPL. Yeah. Because otherwise, like you said, it is that IKEA ladder instruction with extra parts. Yeah. To try and get it's it. Awful. Yeah. So that's what I would like to see happen next year, just because I don't expect anything else to change. I'm sure they have a product roadmap that's locked into place that just has like that Mr. Crab meme. I'm like, hello, I like money. Yeah. But that's that. Ish. All right. Picks. Yes. Uh, I will start since uh, ours, or the, the one that I picked is kind of taken off already. So yes. if you follow us on Twitter, on Friday we tweeted out that, hey, it looks like there's some movement on Eldrazi Conscription. Uh, it's probably going to explode soon. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? It exploded. Uh, so the reason for this pick was, of course, Storm Herald. I also think that, and you're going to start seeing this, I think, more and more with like EDH staples and Ultimate Masters, that we're hitting the point where they're starting to recover and starting yeah. to recoup where they were. It was and prior yeah. to Ultimate Masters, Eldrazi Conscription was, I think, ten, fifteen dollars, something like that. Just ridiculous. Yeah, it sat at a really high price for a really long time until people just kind of gave up on it for whatever reason. Yeah, and then it got reprinted and it tanked. Uh, and now we've got an enchantment theme set uh, and a card which fetches enchantments. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it started taking off. Um, so there's still some issues yeah. with that. Actually, because you yeah. got to right in it somehow. Right up to Uma, it was $15. So that was my mistake. Yeah, you're right. 100%. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, there's still some issues with um, the Storm Herald because it needs to hit the bin, whatever. Mm-hmm. How are you doing that? There's no, like, alter effects in standard for you to sack and get it. But uh, that was my pick. I do have a bonus pick since that one kind of hit already, and that is Dream Halls. So Dream Halls is, of course, reserve list. Uh, So, you know, there's that going for it. I also have noticed that some people are starting to run 1 to 2 Echo of Aeons in Tess in Legacy. Now, the reason that's relevant for this is because Dream Halls allows you to discard Echo of Aeons to cast Force of Will, and then you can discard something to flashback Echo of Aeons. Uh, so I think it's only a matter of time before in either EDH or Legacy mm-hmm. or some format, something like that happens. And if you know you remember years ago, Dream Halls was a hot Legacy deck for a brief period. Yes. Uh, we also had our high of... Uh, all time on the TCG low scale of $25 last year in May. Yep. And since then, it's been on a downward trend to be about seven, eight bucks now. Yep. Uh, so that's that's great because it means it's easy to get it at six or seven dollars. This is a card that even outside of any of the competitive play, whatever, mm-hmm. it's just a casual EDH card that people love to mess around with. Yeah. It, it so. is, and it does have a pedigree in front of it in Legacy. It is a combo card. Yeah. Uh, the, you mentioned it, but it, it it bears repeating that you discard these cards. You are not exiling them. Yeah. So that means you can pass and flames them back, or underworld breach them back, or Yogmoth's yep. will them back. So these cards are still available to you, like a lot of other effects where you would expect an exile instead. Yeah. 
So this is actually, a, I think, a two of in the sideboard of High Tide. Yeah. For a little while. Uh, which every now and then does show up, and Feline said she's going to try to yes. start playing the deck again. Yep. So. Uh, what's the is it, um Not the reset High Tide combo. Is it Solidarity without use? I can't remember if that used this or not. But there's another deck that's kind of similar where you bubble up for yeah. a little bit, and all of a sudden you just like twiddle a bunch of stuff and win. Um, yeah. So uh, it is there. Uh, if we want to go uh, with the extra picks, so this we, this is something we talked about in our Discord this morning, and if I had to guess, they're all gone, but Graft Digger's Cage, uh, for a while today, sat below uh, CK, Cash, and Credit on TCG yep. Player. Uh, if you sorted for 4X, you could probably buy, I think, a 20 mm, below their the CK threshold when I checked, and now they're probably... Uh, gone and sitting at 150 or above. That's yep, we could... 160 for the 4X is the cheapest on uh, Dark Ascension. Yep. Uh, so this is what is printed three times. It has its Dark Ascension printing. It has uh, Mystery Booster. It has Core 20, and I think there might be one more that I'm forgetting. Modern Master 17. There it is. Uh, it stops escape. Yeah. Flat. Sure stops does. Stops escape. So we were talking about some uh, something else to work with escape when we saw uh, uh, not the Titan but something earlier in the day, and I was like, yeah, that works all right. Uh, Ashiok. Somebody brought up Ashiok. I was like, yeah, that's oh, not yeah. bad. Yep. You know, you just take her up, get rid of the graveyard. Cool. And then somebody re- reminded us that Grafziger's cage is still in standard. A little while Great. later, we found out that this card can be bought for less than buy list. And CK is buy, was buying infinite of core 20. Yeah. So if you can snag these for, you know, $1.50 to $1.75 right now, uh, looks to be a pretty good price. Uh, there's a lot of good escape cards. How good the mechanic will be in standard will kind of yes. determine really what's going on. But this is a sideboard card in every format and a main deck card yeah. in EDH if you need it to be in your play group. For $1.50, you really can't go wrong at this at this point. Yeah. It's definitely a very, very good choice. Yeah. So uh, that's a little gift from uh, from us to you guys. So keep your eyes yeah. on this card. It, there's a really good chance to see some movement. But uh, with that, that is our episode for this week. Uh, we will be back next week with some freshness. We... Yeah. Uh... We, we may be a little bit late, by the way. I will be at Star City Knoxville... If you have mountain goats, bring them to the MTG first booth. If you mention this episode of the podcast, I will give you a quarter for a mountain goat. You can't beat that buy list. He's right, because I don't think there is a buy list on mountain goat. Nope, there literally isn't. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Before we sign out, uh, one of the things I want to mention is that uh, we are looking for listener feedback. You know, we don't like to beg for subscriptions or, you know, five-star reviews. We just want to hear what people have to say about the cast because that's how we improve. So positive, yep. negative, neutral, it doesn't matter. We want you know, we want it all. Send it to us on on Twitter, on Facebook, uh, directly on YouTube. You know, we, we get it all eventually. And, you yeah. know, we're here for you guys, so we need to know what you'd like to hear or see from us as we move forward. Uh, we have decided what we're going to be doing for our giveaways in the year uh, 2020. And I think we have another giveaway, or technically our last giveaway of 2019 because it was purchased in 2019. 
yeah. coming up. Uh, we should announce that within the, within the next week or two, so definitely keep your eye on our Discord if you're in there. If you're not, you should be. But yeah. otherwise, I am at Halt I am Reptar on Twitter. You are? At Thirsty Sizzler. And we are at MTG Cabalcast. Thanks, guys. Catch you later. See you.